Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. It's so great to have you along with us again on this Sunday morning. As you just heard in the introduction, I'm Ann Baldwin, one of the hosts of the show, and Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, who is the president and CEO of The Connection. We're always together every Sunday morning. And it's, it's kind of a double whammy today, Lisa, because we have not only a special guest with some special expertise, but we have a regular Connection listener that we are having on as our guest today. So how great is that? I'm very excited about that. It's always great to highlight um, my, one of my uh, peers that I respect so much in the state that does similar work that The Connection does. I'm really excited <laughs> to introduce Gary Speck, who is a Connecticut licensed marital and family therapist. He's the chief executive officer of Wellmore Behavioral Health, Wellmore, Inc., which is located in Waterbury, and they're pro- they are a provider of child, adolescent, and mental health and substance abuse recovery and support services, operating nine sites throughout western Connecticut. Wellmore also is an emergency mobile psychiatric service for the 43 towns of Western Connecticut, and uh, Gary was among the early responders to the shootings at the Sandy Hook Elementary School. And I am so excited to have you here on the show today, Gary. Thank you so much. Good morning, uh, Ann and Lisa. I'm so glad that you invited me to be on your show. We are, and the timing is perfect because we've talked a lot about on this show um, you know, just about, like, I'm in Boston right now, and, uh, you know, I'm seeing everybody, even on the streets, everybody's wearing masks, you know, with COVID-19, and now schools are about to start, and I know even with my granddaughter, it's so uncertain, with Lisa's son, who's supposed to be going off to college, you know, the dynamics of all this have changed. So one of the things that we wanted you, know, you to talk about and, and for our listeners to hear is you know, from your perspective, you know, as the president and CEO of Wellmore and all your credentials, which Lisa so nicely described, how are we doing? Well, I think we're off to a good start, and I think we have a long way to go. I, um, I'm really amazed and impressed how the behavioral health providers across the state of Connecticut have adapted their services and have adjusted and continue to adjust. And, and our amazing staff who are really this amazing treasure to the community that they're willing to take on, in some case, 
you know, significant risk to do whatever they can to, to support and help people. So on a whole, um, I think that we're in a phase, and, uh, and at Wellmore we're really focusing on choice. And it's choice is so more important now than ever before. And what I mean by choice is empowering people to select the way in which they want to be seen. Uh, when COVID started, everyone really needed to move to remote services only. And so now we do have the capacity for doing telehealth, either seeing people virtually over the Internet or through their phone or by doing telephonic sessions. But we've tried to develop a, a set of different approaches, which includes we are doing home visitation, we're doing drive-ups. We set up tents at our sites so that people can come in and they can either be seen in the tent or they could stay in their car and then our therapist could have the session literally in the car if that's what it took them to be safe. Curbside visits. And then in our buildings, we've radically changed how the buildings are set up so that we can accommodate the spacing. And um, it's working. Um, initially, there was a lot of concern and people were worried uh, that it wasn't going to be safe. And in general, across the United States, people have been deferring care for everything, including behavioral health and addiction recovery, which I, is a terrible idea, but I, you can understand why people would be afraid to go in and see their health care provider because they think that sick people are at their health care provider and that they're more likely to catch COVID if they're at their health care provider. But people are starting to um, move out of that phase, and so we think it is so important to send a message to people that they can make decisions for themselves because a lot of decisions have been taken away from them. So not only are we offering choices in how they can be seen, but our staff and the staff at The Connection and other providers across the state are really modeling for, for adults in particular that have kids that they can do this successfully, that they can make good choices that are going to work for them and their family, that are going to offer safety, but also that they can go back to being parents um, and, and not really sort of be subject to the dictates of what the government says. And there's so many ways in which the government is much more directly involved with our life. I mean, people can't even travel out of the, um, out of the state to, to visit their family in three-quarters of the country um, that I think people have sort of lost their sense of personal authority and power. And so this we see this as an empowering opportunity. And equally, the telehealth thing, which I know that Lisa and I want to talk more about, is an interesting vehicle that may address um, racial injustice in that behavioral health services up until now were really, we could not do them remotely. And so uh, I can say for Wellmore, our clients are just are, are quite diverse disproportionately uh, black and Latino. And uh, these are, and also our 90% of the families that we work with are poor. And so now, not only for the first time, we're saying to them that they can choose how they want to be seen. And in particular, for persons that are in recovery, most people that are in recovery that are involved with the state protective service agencies or courts or probation or parole really are told, you have to go. This is when you go, and this is how you're going to get it. And now there's this unique opportunity where we're saying to them, hey, you have choice. And it's amazing that while the courts have slowed down and all that, people are voluntarily coming in. And we really think that this is something that may long-term be a real opportunity for change. You know, Gary has, you know, has spent the last 32 years working as a clinician and manager at inner-city community treatment settings. And he has so much passion. You can hear, you know, right through your voice, Gary, how committed you are to 
serving, um, you know, a really needy and deserving population. And it's remarkable to me um, how you have been able to just meet the needs of um, inner city folks where you're located and continue to provide the service and, you know, just plow through and, you know, make things work. And, you know, Gary's making it sound really simple. It's not. It's really hard work to roll this, you know, telehealth and to make this happen. Um, you know, what goes on behind the scenes and how you have to make that happen isn't really, isn't that, isn't easy. Um, but I'm just really grateful because your services are so needed. And what I'd like to do is for people who are listening to our show right now, um, we want to give out the, uh, we're talking again with uh, Gary Steck, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Wellmore Behavioral Health. Um, if you need services, um, the number to call is one eight five five Wellmore, which is one eight five five nine three five five six six seven. Again, one eight five five nine three five five six six seven, and the website is Wellmore W E L L M O R E dot org. Gary, what has has been um, some challenges? Um, that you've seen um, with connecting people with uh, telehealth, um, are there things that you know you can share? You know, some a couple of things that you overcame to make this um, happen for you at your organization. Yes, I mean, so all of us in Connecticut that are doing community behavioral health had to pivot basically overnight, in that it really wasn't an available resource, and so the technology piece was one thing, and that was a huge jump. Uh, the software, the hardware, the security, and all that kind of stuff, and organizing it. Once that got to be in place, now you're talking about sort of the the next thing, which is the um, how people connect. We've heard every imaginable cir- circumstance, and have done I don't even know how many thousands of of contacts mm-hmm. already that have been virtual. But people have difficulty connecting in all kinds of different fashions. So we have people where it is simply not safe for them to do remote uh, therapy or contact in that they don't have a place that they can talk confidentially or uh, we could be involved with them because of um, domestic or partner violence Mm -hmm. or child abuse oriented issues and they're not they're not able to talk safely because the person that could be involved with that could be behind the screen if you will um we've we've worked with people that have a difficulty connecting or choose to not have an email address or for specific reasons, or um, we've also had difficulty where people are were competing with for screen time, so their kids were doing remote learning at the same time that we were trying to be doing therapy with them. Um, and then, of course, there's all kinds of other complex technological issues um, that that I think everyone is trying to overcome. But the main other piece is is that while this is a tool that's in our toolbox, um, and while telehealth has been available for a long time for behavioral health. It really was available mostly for in private practices for um, sort of full-paying customers and, and, and sort of a unique way and, and was even controversial until recently in that nothing will ever take the, the place of the relationship that we have with our clients face-to-face, eye-to-eye. And there's lots of things that we, that we can discern over the phone or over the Internet, but it simply is not the same. Uh, and we see this as a bridge and, once again, as a choice for people, but the relationship matters, as it does in all things, and in particular in a state of crisis, it matters so much. 
so now people can see the eyes because everybody's behind the screen, but they can't see the full face. And frankly, it worries us um, that we, we can't connect in that fashion. So in whatever way we can build the confidence of people to come in and see, see us face-to-face, we are. It's, it is a temporary solution that might become a permanent part of our field. Um, and I think for some people, it provides convenience and choice and deals with transportation issues and other things like that. But the connection, the connection, right, is so important. And the <laughs> connection, people, people think about it as a technological thing, but it's more the interpersonal Absolutely. relationship. Mm-hmm. Can you share with our listeners um, the types of services that you provide? That would be really helpful. Sure. So Wellmore has been around since the ninth, early 1950s and has morphed and changed over the years. And so now we have four residential programs, three are for adults in addiction recovery, and then we have one group home for um, older adolescent boys. We are the mobile emergency service for all of Western Connecticut, so that's for children and adolescents up to age 18, where our staff go wherever they have to go, and pretty much we're mobile throughout the whole crisis, um, into homes, emergency rooms, schools, community settings, um, to help with uh, crisis things that maybe some of them are mundane in that their parents are having disagreements with their children, their children are displaying behavioral problems, um, to very serious circumstances where there are overdoses or suicide attempts or those kinds of things. And that's a big part of our care. We have um, a series of home-based programs um, where we go in and the whole, all of the therapy and counseling is in the home. We have um, prevention uh, services. Most of that is in the home. And then we also have um, a lot of uh, case management and other support services that helps with housing, jobs, and um, way in which people integrate back to the community from either from prison or uh, from another setting. Uh, And then, of course, large outpatient treatment centers for adults and children that are sprinkled throughout the region. We have nine different sites and work with ten or eleven thousand families a year in a given year, and we're just like you. We're we're twenty four and seven, three sixty five. We have staff available. There's about two hundred and eighty or so people that work for us, and um, it 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 already was normally very crisis oriented. In that, in our field, when people need us, they need us. They don't need to hear about tomorrow. It's really what can you do today. And our focus has always been how can we have the best positive impact for the community today? There's no promise of tomorrow for anybody anyway, but when people right. are looking for support from the connection mm-hmm. or from Wellmore, it really is about today. And, and so we try to be very current today focused. You know, and, and it's, it's, it is especially because I know, you know, mental health, substance abuse, recovery support. I mean, there's a lot of people that already had pre-existing issues, if you will. And I know as a person in recovery, this whole COVID situation and what's going on in our world, in our state, and in our lives doesn't help the situation, right? So to, to your point, and Lisa, you've talked about this before, is that your services are immediate. So whether you're seeking services from The Connection or you're seeking services from Wellmore, it's not like, okay, see you in two weeks. Like, if I need you, I need you now. And, right. and that's, that's right. where we need to be. Right, and that's where your organizations are. Again, we want to give you the websites for both organizations, Wellmore, and that's W E L L M O R E dot org, and the connection is the connection inc dot 
or Gary Steck, you're the president and CEO of Wellmore. Um, are you finding that there's an increased need from people? Let's uh, we just talked about pre-existing conditions, but now there's so much more on everybody's plate. Are you both finding that there's just an increased need for staying on track? Well, I'm very. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up recovery services. Of course, during a key piece of recovery services are group-oriented, um, such as AA and NA, and most of that stopped. Uh, because groups could not be done. And also, uh, you know, our services were all set up so that we could literally have walk-ins, and, and, and for a while we had to pause, and now we've restarted so that we have walk-in capacity where people in particular who are looking for help with recovery, if it were a circumstance where they called and then we said, oh, you can come two weeks from Tuesday, we're going to lose them. So it, uh, right. we are very concerned about that. We are... Uh, alcohol sales in Connecticut, I have a good friend who works for a liquor distributor who says that sales are up something like 65%. Um, That's correct, yeah. We're beginning to notice in that maybe it, it sort of got pushed aside, a lot of overdoses, even cluster overdoses. Uh, and uh, certainly I read the same newspapers that you all read. Um, there are a lot of circumstances of violence and Yes. Um, a, a lot of other concerns that are associated, and and although I think once again people are shy to come in now, and we need to convince them that it's safe and that we're there for them. Uh, I certainly uh, am very concerned about the long-term implications of that delaying care, and also mm -hmm. of the stress and anxiety that is everyone is living under in the COVID world, which is like nothing that anyone alive has ever experienced. It's so true. Um, I have to echo exactly um, what you're saying, Gary. We're, we're seeing numbers that are exploding with regard to um, substance abuse services and housing needs. And, you know, the other piece, too, is that for everyone in the world right now, it's, you know, navigating uncertainty. Um, you know, we're sort of in this, like, strange land that we're all living in, and, you know, everyone's searching for hope and you know, the guiding star somewhere, and we just don't know one minute from the next, you know, really what's going to happen. And it's really, it's impacting everyone. Every single person is impacted by what's happening right now. And then on top of it, you know, if you already are, you know, have a mental health diagnosis and there's other issues, you know, that just impacts it. But I do agree with you that the long-term effects on everyone is, you know, Think about, you know, think about the children. You know, Gary uh, is, I'm just so blessed that, you know, Gary, you know, serves children and does the amazing work that he does. But think about, you know, these kids now, some are going back, you know, it's virtual. It's, you know, some is virtual, some isn't. And I understand why we have to do that. But that human connection, right, that learning those social cues and, you know, the normalcy of what children, right, what children really need as far as development. Um, and teachers are working super hard to, you know, make things work. But like Gary said, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, seeing a child in a classroom and being able to observe the behavior and their their affect and looking at them and reading what's happening without, you know, those unspoken and it's really hard to do that over over a screen, right? Um, but we're trying to stay safe, and, and, you know, numbers are starting to go up again. And, you know, um, again, 
Uh, Gary, thank you for providing these services, especially for children in Connecticut. Um, it's so it's so great. It's great. It's needed for all populations, but I always feel like children are, you know, the wave of the future, and we want to break these generational cycles of abuse and neglect. And so, you know, with the domestic violence and all these other issues rising, you know, the impact of all of this is going to be just stunning, I think. Clearly, we need more services in Connecticut. We already don't have enough. I mean, we're grateful for the ones we have, but clearly we need more. Clearly, we need much more services. Um, Right. And we've got got about – we've got a few minutes left, and I I think what's important – is uh, everything that we've talked about is important, but, you know, we've got parents, we've got grandparents, we've got caregivers that listen to this program, Gary, and we're all just stressed out. And to me, I see it's a way that the people, the parents handle this that's going to impact generations to come. So I'd like to have you give our listeners your best advice for how we can maintain and try to keep our sanity you know, during who knows how this thing is going to continue to roll out. What is your best advice for folks listening? Okay, so I think, first of all, the most important thing is that we have to take care of ourselves. And as parents, we need to um, understand how we're feeling. And if we are um, not in a place where we feel emotionally okay, we have to understand that our kids are going to pick up on that and know and discern these cues in such small ways. So, it's honestly acknowledging it is the first place. And most parents that I know, most adults are stressed out and are having difficulty with it. So I think um, we have to find ways in which we subtly rebuild our sense of community because as humans, we need other people. So I think that yeah. starts with whoever you feel safest with. Is it your neighbor? Is it your coworker? Is it a family member? But it's, this is the kind of thing we have to talk about it. So people that are losing sleep, that are not, not eating well, that are drinking too much, and um, in, in other ways are just feeling lousy, the first thing is the acknowledgement. Now, if you're really stuck, that's where places like Wellmore, the connection come in, and thank God we live in a, a state that has these resources. Yes. There are lots of abilities for people to call in. There are, there are toll-free just talk lines and these kinds of things that are available tremendous resource. So another important step would be to get back to your routines or to develop new routines. And so normally speaking, you know, when school is a couple weeks away, parents are having their kids get back to bed a little earlier. Maybe they're spending a little bit more together time or doing simple things like showing the kids the the walking route to school or where the bus stop is going to be or planning out there in advance. You know, this is you have to lay your clothes out. You have to have your lunch together. So I think that those normative, the routines are so important. And then I think, lastly, it's the small things really matter. So reading with your children, having a little family time, whether it's praying, reading, or just being together in particular right before they go to bed is so important. Not only will it help them sleep better, but it will help you sleep better. And then lastly, always remember, there is no shame in asking for help. Right. And, you know, it's almost like I think the blessing and the problem here for me has been almost getting back to our roots, you know, back to the old days, that open line of communication with the people that you can be around and and going back to the simple things that, like you said, reading. I know good luck finding a, a puzzle out there because people are doing so many puzzles during COVID. So not to make light of it, but I think this is all great advice and 
uh, the bottom line here, and Lisa, you've said this before, is if you need help, ask for help. It's okay. The stigma of, you know, something's wrong with you if you ask for help, hopefully those days are over. So Gary Stack, President and CEO of Wellmore, thank you so much. Again, the website is wellmore, W-E-L-L-M-O-R-E dot org, and the website for The Connection is theconnectioninc.org. Lisa, this has been one of my favorite guests, i got to tell you. Thanks for making Gary available. Gary, Wonderful and great, great information for all of our listeners. So we really do appreciate it, Gary. Keep up the good work. Yes, thank Gary, you so thank you, my you. friend. Thank you so God much. Bless. And, of course, we want to thank all of you for listening to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 